Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Please make sure your seatbelt is securely fastened, your tray table is in an upright and locked position, and that you are ready to get weird and think different. Please prepare for takeoff. Today is Wednesday, April 29th, and I've been doing a dangerous thing. I've been doing some thinking. I know, I know, it's scary. I shouldn't be using my brain like I am right now, but when you got all this time on your hands, the wheels start turning. So over the weekend or over the last couple of days, you may have noticed that some social media handles have popped up for Destination Different. So before I go any further, I'm going to pause and say, go stop right now. Go to Instagram, at Destination Different. Go to Twitter, at Destination Diff, D-I-F-F. Follow both of those accounts. As I was thinking more and more about it, you know, it just felt like the podcast needed to have a place in the social media world to live on its own. Uh, for the last six, seven months, it's been you know, a subset of YoPro and I've been kind of sharing the content out there and just want to make sure that you know I've really been enjoying it doing this podcast and it seems like at least a handful of you so you say or I think you know enjoy listening to this podcast so I want to make sure that you or any future listeners of the show if you did want to go and find and look it up and see who was coming next as a guest or look at clips from past episodes that there was a place online on social media that you could go and find Destination Different. And so that's what we've got set up now. So go follow those accounts. Make sure that you get yourself all up to date on what's going on with Destination Different. And as I was thinking about that, I was like, you know, all of the people that we've had on this show so far, they just have strange brains. They have weird ideas. They're creative, clever thinkers. They think so far beyond the realm of normal possibilities. Um, and I wanted to make sure that there was also a, a breeding ground on the internet for those strange brains and a place to bring all of it together. So I think it's a great segue into today's guest who has a fascinating brain. Um, today we have Matt Rudnitsky, Rudnitsky who goes by Rudd. So we're going to, we're going to keep it simple. Rudd, um, he is a author and now founder of his own publishing company called Platypus Publishing. I've been wanting to interview Matt for probably over a year now. I think last summer I read his book, You're an Author, So Write Your Fucking Book. And I immediately was like, hmm, I think I'm going to write a book. Uh, so he has that piece. He also worked uh, in his days right out of college as a sports blogger. And said, you know what, I'm sick of this. And ended up writing a book called Smart Sports Betting while he was teaching English in Prague. And in the first year alone, he made nearly 10 grand in profits on that book um, and has continued to see income come in year after year. I think it's now six or seven years since its release and continues to see money roll in from that. Um, he is you know, now in his publishing world after releasing these two books, He's helping people like himself, uh, like maybe some of the listeners of this show, put a fine point on what it is that they maybe want to write about or 
you know, takes the idea of a book that they want to create and helps to really put it down on paper. Uh, he has some hysterical stories that he shares throughout this episode from getting death threats sent to his parents' house when he was a sports blogger to uh, eating, I believe it was bull penis stew while he was in uh, Kuala Lumpur. So not only is it an extremely helpful episode of anyone who's ever remotely thought about writing a book, but also just has some hysterical anecdotes uh, sprinkled throughout. So really, really good one today. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I'm not even going to say try and say his last name again, but now we have Rudd this week on Destination Different. Give it a listen. of me feels like it was a complete like out of nowhere accident but when I think back like I was thinking about it for a while so Mm -hmm. basically I was working as a sports writer for probably like two years um I just like it was clearly not a viable career option I was making uh twenty thousand dollars a year Mm -hmm. uh I was supposed to live in New York City but obviously I was living with my parents because who the fuck can come anywhere near living (laughs) affording to live in New York City for that um so yeah, I just like had in the back of my mind, like, okay, I need some sort of like exit plan. Mm-hmm. Basically, it got to the point where I made like a proposal to get a raise to 35 grand, which probably couldn't have even afforded Big to money. live in the city anyway. But I was like, maybe there's a chance I could live in like a closet, like your recording yeah. studio if I'm lucky. Yeah. Um, and the guy said no. Well, he said yes. He said, yes, we can give you a raise to 28,000. I'm like, dude, like you just don't fucking get it. Like, yeah. So I quit soon after that, um, moved to Prague to teach English. Long story there, but basically that was not going to be my long-term thing either. So I'm just like, what the fuck do I do? I quit, quit my sports writing job, quit my teaching job. I'm just like, I have so much time on my hands and like, don't know what the fuck to do. And then mm-hmm. at that point, because I had done a ton of like blogging about it, I was just like, I mean, I literally have nothing to better, better to do at this point. So just fucking do it. Mm-hmm. All right. And so, so you, you're whatever, you're what, 23, 24, you've been a sports writer for a couple of years and you decide, Hey, I'm going to write this book about sports betting. Like, were you an avid gambler at that point? Like we were, I imagine we were still in the stage of like DraftKings and you know, like the daily sports betting was like starting to come out, but it really hadn't like hit like prominence in terms of content. So where were you at as far as like a gambler? It was kind of like, it was actually kind of like pre-DraftKings and FanDuel and that. So it was like right around the same time. I like timed it perfectly looking Mm -hmm. back, but I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I just stumbled into it though. Like, so the the story of me starting gambling was that I got a hundred dollar gift from my grandma for my birthday when I was in college. Um, You know, I'm very fortunate. Like my parents were covering my like meager grocery bills and stuff. So I'm just like, like, what do I spend a hundred bucks on? My grandma's like, Mm -hmm. spend it on something fun. I'm like, I don't buy fucking like shoes or like yeah. have enough money for beer. Like what do I spend this money on? So just for some reason I decided to bet it all on sports and I thought I was going to lose it in like a week or two. Like I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, just got super lucky and turned it into almost $10,000 uh, over the course of, it took like two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, as I started building up my bankroll, I'm like, okay, I have to take this like sort of seriously. Cause this is, I have real money now. I didn't have a right. job at the time. Like I have a few thousand bucks. Like this is pretty cool for yeah. some idiot college kid. Uh, just got obsessed with it. 
uh, and that kind of like became my niche when I was blogging uh, mm-hmm. for the site that employed me. And yeah, just kind of like realized at some point, like I know a lot about sports betting and people ask me all these questions and they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. So, okay. So you've got a general idea of sports betting. Like you've made, you've made yourself some money, but are by no means like a shark. And so exactly. How does it go of like you deciding, Hey, I'm going to start putting pen to paper and like actually writing the book of sports betting. Like how does that come to be? So I was just writing a lot of like your typical, like, okay, here's like who I think you should bet on in the Mm -hmm. NFL. But I did it in like a very no bullshit kind of way where I was like, I know I'm not that good at this. And I just like, I'm fucking around. Whereas like all these quote experts you read about, like pretend they're really good. And I would like track their, their records versus mine. And mine would always be like mediocre, but theirs would be absolutely horrific. Yeah. Like just, I'm not saying to listen to me, but just don't listen to them. And I'm at least getting you closer. And that kind of became my like shtick, which is like, I'm like the non-experts expert. Like I'm mediocre at this, but I know I'm mediocre at this. Yeah. And by admitting that, you are better off following me and combining your own like wisdom to have like a clue versus everyone who's like, I'm the smartest person in the world. Right. Follow everything I say. Yes. And you have a very, like, I really enjoy your writing because you do have a very no-nonsense, no-bullshit kind of unique prose to you, I would say. Um, so I imagine that that, like, did you piss people off in the gambling community because you were sort of the antithesis of like the experts? I did. <laughs> I pissed <laughs> off a lot of people. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't even know where to start. The The craziest story I can tell is, and I, I put it on my, you may have seen it on my newsletter. Some people may have seen it, but <laughs> so I had written a couple of basically like tear down pieces of these like media figures uh, mm-hmm. this one guy like rj bell who's like was on espn all the time and he's just like completely full of crap so i wrote this whole article about how he's full of crap um and then after that it was like the weirdest timing this pr person from cnbc reached out to me uh that they were starting a like this new sports betting tv show uh and they're like hey we would love for you to like interview this guy and clearly it was like a mass email because she had not read any of my stuff because i'm the worst person to reach right. out to <laughs> Because uh, it turned out this guy was like a three-time felon. He was just like a horrible, horrible person. And for mm-hmm. some reason, CNBC gave him a show. Um, so I went into it with like an open mind. I'm like, okay, like I'm going to give this guy a chance. Maybe he like changed yada, 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 yada. Uh, interviewed him. And it turned out he was like even more full of shit than I expected. Yeah. Um, so I turned that into an article <laughs> titled uh, CNBC Sports Betting Expert is So Full of Shit That It Hurts. this teardown of this guy and of cnbc and he was a little upset you could say Um, i mean as one maybe would be yeah yeah sent me a lot of like really incoherent emails he does like the the voice to text thing not Mm -hmm. much of a writer and was just like cursing me off and telling me i'm a you know a virgin and this (laughs) and that Um, the funniest one was he told me it was like it's like you're probably doing this out of your two-bedroom apartment and i was like uh or your studio apartment. I was like, dude, I can't afford a studio apartment. Right. <laughs> like, thank you. He was trying to make fun like, of me. Is that a takedown? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a compliment. I'm like 23 years old at this point. Um, so basically, like, we went back and forth. And I was, I was an idiot at this, this point and thought, like, provoking him was a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that turned into one day, um, like, sleeping late on the weekend uh, in my little apartment in New York City. I get a call from my dad who's like frantic and it's like someone called in the middle of the night uh, and said they were going to slit your throat and your mother is, your mother is worried sick. And I was like, 
like I had like just got I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? And then it hit me and I was like, oh, oh shit, it was that guy. And he somehow found my like parents number because I was renting like a subletting a place. So my address wasn't public. Yeah. Uh, basically called my parents and yes, yeah, said he was going to quote, slit my throat and I would never write again. Oh, geez. <laughs> So, so yes, yeah, you, so to answer off. the question, yes, you did piss some people off. The answer is yes, I, I, I suppose. Okay, so you've now pissed some people off, but so you are, again, like I think the, the hard part for me to wrap my head around is at 23 years old, there was no part of me that could even string together like more than 100 or 200 words <laughs> to make, to, you know, even make a, a page of a book, never mind like write an entire thing. So what was your process like of like, okay, I'm doing all right as a gambler. I've pissed some people off with my gambling blogs, but you know, you're getting some sort of traction there that you're like, all right, like let's put this down in like a coherent, you know, book format. Like what made you decide to go book and what was your process like to get there? Um, I still don't know exactly why I did the book. Honestly, <laughs> it just, it just felt like I had enough to say that it fit in a book. Like it was mm -hmm. too much for a blog. Yeah. Um, it just like, it just seemed natural, but at the same time, um, and this is like how I teach people to write books is you have this like big idea. And I'm like, I think this is going to work, but I had mm. no like actual evidence for sure that it was going to work. Right. I had like a little bit of data, just like people enjoying my picks, but I didn't know that anyone would actually want to read a book on this. Mm -hmm. Um, so what I did, and I did this in like the dumbest way possible, but it was still better than not doing it at all. It was, uh, in my like weekly picks column, I just put like a little snippet at the top and I was like, Hey, I'm thinking of writing a book on sports betting. Like if anyone's interested, just shoot me an email. That's like yep. literally all I wrote. It was like the most poorly written copy. It made no sense. I gave no real incentive to, right. I didn't like tell people they get it for free or anything. Um, but I had like about 50 people email me and I was like, mm -hmm. huh, like, okay. I didn't know what I was doing, but 50 people still emailed me and I just started like testing ideas on them. Right. So I started out, I wrote like, it was like the 10 commandments of sports betting, like, mm -hmm kind of corny, not even really that good, but you know, there's like a couple of useful tips in there. Yeah. Um, and people liked it and they would like ask some follow-up questions and I would ask them some follow-up questions. And I basically just turned like the engagement with those 50 people like into the book over time. Mm -hmm. So you were, you were pulling learnings from them or questions that they had and you're like, Oh, that question's interesting. I could write a chapter of the book about this. Exactly. And how long did that take you to write because i think for most people writing a book would be just so daunting of like putting it together so how you know were you writing chapter by chapter what, like did you know kind of the sequence that you wanted to tell the story in or was it literally like this dude sent me an email on tuesday and i'm writing the chapter over the next week so it's funny like the the build up to saying like okay i'm for sure writing a book is like you know probably like a couple years of me writing for the sports box sort of having this idea in my head like I think I told like one person on like an offhand conversation and they're like, yeah, that's a cute idea. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm like, oh fuck, maybe I shouldn't do this. Uh, so that process like super long, be like building up my confidence as like, okay, I'm an okay writer. Uh, but then once I like put that in the column, um, got a few emails. It was like another month of me just kind of like playing around with the idea and, and mm -hmm. getting feedback from people. And then like after that month, I'm like, okay, clearly this is worth pursuing. Sat down to outline it, took me like a couple days. And then the actual writing only took me like, 10 days which really? people like don't believe me but first of all i was unemployed living in prague i had very few friends because i had just moved there and i basically just sat at starbucks all day and, and wrote yeah um it's also a relatively short book it's like 115 pages or something mm -hmm. um but like when you're that clear on what you're writing and you've like built up this knowledge base over like a few years like 
the writing wasn't as hard as you think. Right. Okay. So you, you kind of get it down all on paper and it seems like it actually goes fairly quickly that you, you get to sort of a, a, a first draft, if you will. And then I know obviously now flat, you know, not to spoiler alert, but you're now kind of your, <laughs> your, your entire livelihood is based around kind of this like self-publishing and, and that sort of thing. But at the time on your first book, you're living in Prague, you have no friends around you. Like, did you share this first draft with people? Or did you try and like sell it to an editor? Like how did that, how did it go from your draft to a real thing? Uh, I told one friend cause I was afraid to tell anyone else. My one friend who I like knew is like super supportive. He's also mm-hmm. into sports betting. I'm like, I, I know for sure I have one reader. Like yeah. any of my other friends, even like my mom and dad, I'm like, I don't know if they're going to enjoy this. Like, right. So I have one reader for sure. So I shared with him, I think the final draft. Um, and I shared stuff with those like 50 people who had told me like they were interested mm-hmm. in it. But beyond that, nothing. Didn't hire an editor. Didn't try to pitch a publisher. Just kind of like launched it into the ether, like learned how to make something look professional if you're self-publishing it. Uh, honestly, wasn't expecting that much. I just thought it would be kind of mm-hmm. cool if like some of these 50 people read it and maybe like, you know, 100 people read it. Uh, and then like after a month of it being out, so all I did was send it to those 50 people and then yeah. I like DM'd a few people on Twitter. I had like 800 followers and most yeah. of them were like bots and shit. Uh, <laughs> and I just like get back after like a, a couple of weeks and staying in like hostels and, you know, being a backpacker. And I got like a check for, it was like $1,150 or something. It's like, it's like, that's like almost as much as I was making working full time. And I literally did nothing the past month. Like, right. This is crazy. And just from that point on, I just got blown away with like the reach you can have with this just like crazy idea in the back mm-hmm. of your mind. So what were some of those things that like made it look professional? Cause again, I know that's like a lot of what you focus on now, but like in the early stages, how did you make it at least seem like this was a legit book coming from somebody's semi legit that people would maybe want to buy it or pick it up. Yeah. It's just like the packaging, making sure like it look, it wouldn't look out of place in a bookstore. And I actually messed a few things up uh, in retrospect, but I did good enough that it looked decent. So like most important thing is a cover. And so many people mess this up because like, obviously the best way to do it is to pay someone like a few thousand bucks. Who's really good, but I didn't have a few thousand bucks at right. the time. Um, so I went on Fiverr, which I wouldn't normally recommend people do. So for people who don't know, it's you basically pay like people overseas five bucks to like make a design or something else for you. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, okay, I know most of these are going to be really bad. So I'm just going to do the absolute simplest design I possibly can. So you can look it up like smart sports betting on Amazon. And it's just like this really high resolution picture of a football. It's like uh-huh. kind of a stupid cover, but it looks good because it's a super high quality image. Yeah. So it looks professional. That's the most important thing. Like beyond that, just making sure the description looks like other books on Amazon. So many people mess up like the formatting or they just write it in a weird way. Um, get like at least one endorsement. I got an endorsement from this like ESPN journalist because I uh, corresponded with him in the past. Um, so be the main things. Trying to th- title just like yeah. my my title is nothing like super interesting, but it's it's like what a publisher would name a book: yeah. smart sports betting. It's descriptive. It's decent. It's nothing special, but it, it it just looks professional. Right. So at that point, were you were there like were you selling hard copy books and people could buy it on Amazon? Like, was most of the purchases coming through Amazon buying hard copies, or were people like sending it to their Kindle and kind of getting it that way? 
Um, oh, and one other thing, reviews, super important, like just message people individually yeah. and make sure you get like minimum 25, ideally like 50 plus reviews, but mm-hmm. that's for topic for another time. But um, okay. sorry, what were you saying? Oh, paper, uh, yeah, hard yeah. copy, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, that's another mistake people make is like, it's really easy to release a book in paperback. It doesn't require any upfront cost. Um, yeah because Amazon uses what's called print on demand, which is basically like they don't print any copies until someone orders them because they can just do it so quickly. So there's literally no reason to not make a paperback. Um, And surprisingly, I didn't expect this. Like, I think probably like, I haven't done the math, but it's probably about 75% of my profits have come from paperback. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And so now that you, so you launched this, I don't know how long ago now, but how how much have you made if you don't mind like disclosing on this book or you know do those sales like can do you continue to see sales roll in month after month of people still buying your book yeah i do not mind at all i'm like super transparent about this cuz i hate how nobody shares their sales numbers so the first year um i think i made around like 7500 in mm-hmm. profit um and again i'm literally like i did know marketing for this. Right. I probably should have done marketing, but I didn't just because I didn't <laughs> well, know what Well, you I was like DM some people. You had like a mini email list. So like that was your I marketing. did, but I did that the first week and that's it. I did okay. literally nothing after the first week. I'm not exaggerating when I say literally nothing and still made about eight grand. Um, since then I've made, so I've made just under 15,000 total in profits. Wow. So it's like 7,500, eight grand the first year. And then you know, six, seven grand since then. Hmm. It slowed down a little bit like the past year. Um, I think mainly because there finally has been a little bit of like, someone wrote a similar book as me. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. There's more, maybe more content in the world that people, yeah. that is newer that people are getting, picking up. Huh. I mean, that's for knowing nothing and dropping something into the ether and then not marketing it at all. Yeah. <laughs> 15 grand. When, I mean, when you say it like exactly. that, 15 grand, you're like, holy shit, this is pretty good. Exactly. It was, like it didn't, you know, I mean, I didn't get rich off of it and I could barely even pay a portion of my rent, but like yeah. for doing nothing, it's pretty fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, again, I don't know if that's like was sustainable that you were kind of living off of the book money for a while there, but did you start looking does your brain go to, oh, I want to write another one now? Or did it go to like, I need to find a fucking job because this is you know great, but I can't make money full time off of this? Like, how did you stay writing or stay in the writing world? Um, I mean, I was just figuring it out as I went along. So I was living in Prague at the time. It, was, it basically was able to sustain me for like a couple of months because I was paying uh, $350 a month to <laughs> live in it's Prague. just like that my rent my, here in this that was closet. my rent <laughs> uh yeah so like i basically was okay for like a couple of months and I had a little bit of savings so it was okay for like a few months um mm-hmm. but i knew at that point i just wanted to build some sort of online business i really didn't know what it was um took like you know read a shit ton of books kind of played around with some ideas on like helping people become better writers, helping mm-hmm. people write books. And it basically stumbled into me working. I actually didn't really get any traction on any of my ideas, but got a job with this company called Book in a Box, um, who basically does like systematized ghostwriting. It's like a more efficient version of ghostwriting. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're called Scribe now. And I basically just like wrote books for people freelance. Um, and then realized by doing that, that 
I had a lot to offer on my own helping people and got a few clients, um, did like some coaching and some mm-hmm. editing. And that has evolved very slowly to today where I do a combination of like ghostwriting and coaching. Interesting. And how does that work? Like when somebody says, has an idea that is like, Hey, I want to write a book. They'll come to you and say, Hey Matt, can you help me write this book? Or can you write this book for me? And they sort of outline it for you. How does that process? What does that look like? Um, I generally help people with like taking their like vague idea and turning it into something like clear that they can test. So it's usually like starting with getting someone clear on like, why are you doing this? Are you doing this to sell a bunch of copies? Are you doing this because you're a speaker and you want to get bigger speaking gigs? Are you doing this because you have no online presence and you want to build one? Like Mm -hmm. all these are good potential reasons, but they're all very different, require different strategies. So like getting super clear on that. Um, and then just like taking whatever their vague idea is and trying to distill it into something that's unique to them. Yeah. Just like everyone like makes this mistake of like trying to write, trying to write a textbook essentially. Right. It's like, okay. Even like my example of sports betting, it's like the point is you don't write the best book on sports betting. You write the best book on one small aspect of sports betting for one particular audience. So for me, it wasn't just like everything you need to know about sports betting. It was everything that a novice sports better who's losing a bunch of money betting on football needs mm. to know about sports betting. Cause that was the one thing I was an expert in, not all of sports betting because I right. was not a professional. Interesting. And at what point in here did in that time window, did your second book come in? You're an author. So write your fucking book. Cause I imagine that was probably a good sales vehicle for you to start picking up clients and things like that. It was. I think that I don't even remember what I started that probably two years after I wrote uh, Smart Sports Betting. Um, yeah. And it was just like this slow evolution of I started working with this guy, um, Trevor Krauss, who wrote this book called Ticket List. It's mm-hmm. about him like sneaking into over 30 sporting events like Super Bowl, World Series, all this stuff. Um, so the combination of like working with him and coaching him through the whole process. Uh, and he was like a beginner. He had no idea what he was doing. So I was learning so much by teaching him. And then my experience with like these super experienced entrepreneurs with Book in a Box. Mm-hmm. And I was just realizing that like I had learned so much from these two populations. And again, it was just like, it just felt natural. Like I need to put this in a book because mm-hmm. I feel like people need this. And has that been as monetarily successful as the sports betting? Or has that been more of like uh, serving your business vehicle? Not even close. Yeah, it's been... I've made, I think, less than 500 bucks on that in sales, maybe around 500. Um, But in terms of like business impact, it's been invaluable. Like it's, it's the tool I use to like get introductions to people to do partnerships with people. Um, Yeah, people come to me through it. I've had multiple people like read it and reach out to me or even just see that it exists and reach out to me. That's the funny thing. It's a lot of people like won't even read it and they'll be like, hey, can I hire you? And I'm like, the truth is you could probably get a lot of this advice in the book, but I mean, sure, you're super busy. That's fine. Right. Yeah, they're just paying for, they just read the headline or the title and they're like, oh, this is interesting. I will tell you, yeah. I, I am one of those maybe $500 purchases of the book. I, I bought it last summer. I read it. My girlfriend was like, so you're interviewing that guy. She's like, are you going to come out of this wanting to write a book again? Because I think last summer, <laughs> immediately after reading Love it, it. it's like, I'm going to write a book. And so now she's like, oh, you're going to come out of this interview wanting to write a book again. I'm like, I, don't I know, hope so. Probably. I hope you do. It's possible. 
Um, and I've also like, so I've, I give the book away for free, like all the time. So yeah. I'm like actively rejecting profits from it just because there's so much more potential, like as a business vehicle. Yeah. Like putting it in people's hands. I've given away like hundreds of copies of it. Mm-hmm. And when you were working at, I think it was a book in a box, scribe, whatever it was. Um, what's the founder's guy's name? Tucker, Tucker, Max. Tucker Max. Yeah. So he's like, obviously a huge, you know, New York times, bestselling author. Like how did it work for you working under him? And what were you able to pick up from somebody who had like sort of reached in terms of book success, like the pinnacle um, of writing a book? I didn't, I didn't do any, he's very hands off. So I didn't do any work with him directly, but um, they just have a ton of like, they wrote their own book on like their method. So I learned a ton from all their resources and their process and just like writing a few books for people. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, But now that you've moved into so your own company is called what? Platypus Publishing. Platypus Publishing. Yeah. I love. I when love I can the name. pronounce it, that's the name. <laughs> Platypus Publishing. So after working there for you know at Scribe and Book in a Box for a number of years, so you've now started your own thing. Like how long have you been doing that for? Um, I mean, I guess technically the start was when I started working with Trevor, which was, uh, I guess, six years ago. But mm-hmm. when it became like more of a real thing, I would say two, three years ago when I was like making more or less a full, like a, a small full-time income. We'll say. Yeah. And, <laughs> just barely enough. And is it just you as a team? Like, are you the only one ghostwriting, coaching, helping people, or do you have others that come in and work for you? I do 99.9% of stuff. I don't do design. Um, I think soon I will eventually start hiring people, but to this point I've done 99% of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's mostly been entrepreneurs or speakers who are looking to write a book, you know, where, what is your like clientele look like at the moment? Who would be like your dream ideal person to work with? Yeah. It's usually like just in terms of like, what's the most successful, like from a money standpoint is speakers. I think just anyone who like has some sort of like expert based business or platform uh, Mm -hmm. and just wants to like take it to the next level with a book. Mm -hmm. And you, are there are there people that you work with i guess that's like that they want to write it themselves and you're sort of just like holding their hand through it like is it a pretty good range or for the most part it's like hey i want you to write my book and you're going in and you're writing all the words and you're you know putting together everything what does it normally look like for you so to this point, it's been more of me just doing all the work again, just because like I can charge more for that. And it's, it's kind of more of a receptive audience, just someone who's like super busy. And they're like, I know I'm never going to get around to doing this myself. Just like yeah. take my money and do all the work. Um, so that's been the majority of it to now, but I have worked with a few people just like coaching them through the process. That's what I enjoy more. And it's what I'm trying to move towards full time. And it's, mm-hmm. I'm getting there, okay. but yeah, I do. Yeah, that, that's what I'm focusing on now. What does that look like when you're ghost? Like, how do you put yourself in somebody's brain? Some 70 something odd year old yeah. person is like, hey, I want you to write my book. Like, how do you make their book sound like them? So, well, it's funny because the work, the book I'm working on right now is a like, I don't know how old she is, probably like in her 40s, a female Christian woman's life coach. <laughs> I'm a 28, turning 29 year old, Jewish 
<laughs> like a guy who curses a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so you, it's pretty much the opposite of what you would expect. But um, so the way Book in a Box or Scribe taught me to do it is uh, just interviewing them for usually 15 or so hours, um, mm-hmm. getting the transcript done and literally going through like paragraph by paragraph paragraph and just rewriting the transcript Hmm. so you're literally like looking at their words while writing it so it's much easier to write in their voice because you're you're not adding any information you're just they call it like translating the transcript and are you are you interviewing them in the sequence of how you know the book should go like yeah the the first few hours of interviews are more like open-ended and it's just refining their idea into like a super detailed outline. So it's like usually like a 10 to 15 page outline, which has like literally every single point that they want to cover in the book. And sure you might add like a handful, but the book is pretty much like 90% set with that outline. So you're just going through point by point. Tell me about like this story. Tell me about that. And just kind of poking them if they're not saying enough. Okay. Um, and have you ever had somebody who comes to you and is like, this is garbage when you get to the end and they're <laughs> upset with their book or they're like, that doesn't sound like me. Um, not, not that bad, fortunately. Um, not really anything too bad. I had one guy change his mind um, that he didn't want to do the book anymore, but it wasn't because he didn't like it. He mm-hmm. just was like, I'm busy with other stuff. And he only had like paid me 25%. Um, he just kind of, fucked off um fortunately i that's fun charged him a good amount and hadn't done all the work so it wasn't too bad for me um it was kind of frustrating um i had one guy who wanted to work with me um and he was like a couple months ago and he like just wasn't totally sold on the book idea so i suggested we do like a sample chapter and this was probably a mistake in retrospect. He, he had this like more practical idea and then he had this more like emotional idea and I could yeah. tell he like wants to eventually do this emotional idea about like his struggles with his dad and stuff. And I was like, well, let's, let's just try that. Yeah. Like, you'll just see how it is. And it came out and I think I did a good job and he didn't tell me it wasn't good, but he just like kind of got like triggered by it. And he was like, I, I don't know if I'm ready to do this. Uh, and he just, I haven't heard from him. So. Huh. <laughs> um, so what is your, I'm curious, obviously I, you know, enjoy the occasional writing from time to time. What is your process like for writing? So obviously it sounds like there's one version that is interview, translate, more of a ghostwriting approach, but with your own writing, whether it's a book, a blog, an email, how does your writing process, what does that look like? Because it's different for everybody, but I'm curious at yours, more so selfishly Um, than anything. Yeah. Um, the most important thing is that I'm just like an obsessive note taker. Like I, I have tens of thousands of notes that are not particularly well organized, but I just know they're there and I can kind of like search for them if I need them. Um, what is your what is your note taking vessel? Like, do you handwrite in little notebooks? Is it like Evernote? Like what's your methodology? I've, I've always used Evernote. I actually switched to this thing called Rome, which is a whole rabbit hole that we've probably don't have time to get into like check out Rome research if anyone's interested but mostly it's been Evernote and yeah it's just like piles of random shit and then it's just like when I sit down to write probably half the time I just have some random idea that I want to explore but half the time it's just like kind of poking around my notes and seeing if anything stands out Um, Mm. and then just trying I, I usually just have a general idea of what I'm getting at I 
try to start with a story and end with some sort of like takeaway. But sometimes it's like I have the takeaway first. Sometimes I have the story first and discover it later. Uh, so just like getting to that point where I'm like, I sort of know what I need to say. Then just trying to word vomit it. Then trying to turn it into some sort of like beginning, middle, end structure. And then just editing it. I don't know if that sounds oversimplified. But. No, that's, I mean, that sounds like delightful. Does, is writing painful for you? Do you enjoy it? Like I know a lot of writers struggle with like, it's a beautiful thing when you get to the end, but the 99% leading up to that is atrocious for many. I hate like, I hate when people say it's painful because I don't think it's painful, but I also think it's bullshit if someone says it's easy. It's somewhere right. in between. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. But it's not painful it shouldn't be if it's painful that means like you're you're doing it wrong yeah but if it's easy you're also doing it wrong because your writing probably sucks <laughs> <laughs> so is there a, is there a next book in the works for you do you have things are you like constantly thinking in terms of books how does that not anymore work? not anymore no. i think like the no there definitely will be but no not it's not really on my mind right now i think it just, for me, it was such an important thing to like write that book at first, just like to know I can do it, which is why I'm so like passionate about getting people mm. to do it. Like someone like you, you have this idea like in the back of your mind. And like, I can tell you if you have the time to dedicate to it, like you can do it and it mm. will just like blow you away. Just having this thing where like, even if it doesn't sell at all, just like two years from now, you're like, fuck, I don't know. Am I like my good writer? Can I ever like do something on my own writing? And then you just like go on Amazon, type your name. And you're like, Oh fuck, I forgot. I wrote a book and there's whatever, seven reviews, but they're yeah. actually pretty good. Uh-huh. Okay. And you can like look in your closet and you're like you hold out your book and you're like, "Ah, I fucking did that. That's pretty cool." I that's yeah, that's I think the beauty of it for me is like just having a Do you have like one copy of your books that you've written so far that is like you keep it it's safe and sound at your parents' house or in a box somewhere and you just have like dozens of hundreds of copies that just sit <laughs> so this is funny i do i do now have a couple copies but so i wrote it when i was in prague um and i was like moving around a bunch and i was traveling a lot so i didn't even see a physical copy of my first book till like i don't know eight months after i published it and i actually got a copy like i got home my mom was like oh it's so cool i have a copy of your book and i saw it and i didn't realize what it actually looked like i realized i fucked something up with the cover and there's this, it, it didn't look that bad, but it just wasn't what I expected what it to look like. Like if you look at my cover, it's like all black. And I thought that's what it was going to look like, but I guess I made it too small. So there's this like white border around it. It looked <laughs> fine, but I was like, yeah. I didn't want it to look like that. Like, <laughs> God damn it. So obviously, again, these are things I discovered after the fact. So I was young and stupid, but like order of proof of your book before you publish it. Yeah, that's fair. All right, so I have I don't want to keep you too long here, but I have just a couple couple other questions that are maybe more random than anything else. Uh, so one, you your biggest I think this is a just fantastic story. I want to hear just hear about it. Your biggest blog ever in terms of numbers when you were at the site was uh, a a, p, a rumored piece that Aaron Rodgers was gay. <laughs> how did that How did that go over? Um, it actually it didn't go over too poorly. So that's like. And this is a whole another rant that we probably won't have time for. But just like working as a sports blogger, essentially your job is just to get as many clicks as possible. And I was pretty lucky where like the people I worked with were were very measured, but they still had like bosses to report to and had mm. to report clicks. So like when you see a story like that, it's just like implied you have to write about it even if you don't want to. And I'm just like, 
all right, I have to write it. And like, if you go back and look at my post, it's very much like, I don't want to write about this, but like I read it somewhere and I know I'm supposed to, and there's no real evidence that it's true, but someone's saying Aaron Rodgers is gay and there's like a picture of his brother and his friend or yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I got like 2 million hits, but I think I wrote that a while ago, but I think the point I was trying to make was that like, it got a ton of clicks, but it got no real engagement there was no Mm -hmm. real purpose to it it was just purely like to please advertisers and my boss um and it's just like i hate doing shit like that so i think it's a waste of time for anyone who doesn't work like as a blogger right i know that that is in reading you now for a while that's a big piece that you hammer on is like blogs in general are like a flash in the pan and then gone yeah whereas books are forever is that kind of the the gist of of that exactly like the idea is that a piece like that lost its value within like literally minutes uh and there are probably examples that are even worse than that where like you write a news piece and it's like 500 words and you get a few thousand hits and then like new news comes in and literally nobody will click on your thing again because it's 100 percent irrelevant yeah so it's like is that really worth your time like you're 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 not building an asset whereas like my book is still valuable six years after i wrote it Mm -hmm. and arguably like some books even like increase in value because you're able to use them for bigger opportunities right and it can be the case with like a blog too you can write a an evergreen blog post that has value but there's pretty much nothing that has like the the lasting impact of a book gotcha and maybe my my last question for you so do you do do you you've obviously done now a lot of traveling. You lived in Prague and taught English. You, I'm sure, have you know, you're bouncing around. Do you kind of subscribe to the theory of like you need to take in lots of inputs and like I forget Benjamin Franklin's quote is like you either write something worth reading or do something worth writing. Like, yeah. is that sort of your philosophy of like you got to go do some cool shit in order to have things to write about? Yes, but I don't want someone like to be listening to this and think like you have to do something crazy like you just you just need to turn whatever your experiences are into something interesting and you can write about something that's objectively not that like unique or interesting in an interesting way so yeah i think like in a perfect world like you're you're doing crazy shit all the time but you can write something interesting about like your day job about your family about you know yeah like at its at its anything simplest, literally anything at its simplest you're first book is your grandma gave you a hundred dollars and that's where it kind of all began exactly if you're if you're looking for stories or insights they're everywhere i was gonna lead that into a question about uh you eating bull penis stew or something like that (laughs) on your blog there there, there's no book about that yet no, not yet. That that might have to be the next one. Uh, my experience is eating bull penis stew. No, I did a, uh, it was like a weird foods challenge living in Kuala Lumpur for a month. And they just brought in like five or six different weird foods. They didn't tell us what they were. So I didn't know I ate bull penis stew till afterwards. It was actually like only number three of five. And they were trying to do it in terms like least weird to most weird. I thought mm. that was the most weird, but I don't fucking know. <laughs> I would think that would be the the weirdest for sure. Um, so I guess I'll, I, that's kind of all I got for questions. If people want to get in touch with you, if they want to reach out to you, what is the best way? If somebody wants to write a book, you know, how do people get sorted out with you and writing a book? And Easiest thing, 
send me an email, which is uh, my email is rud at plat.pub, which is R-U-D at P-L-A-T dot P-U-B. So like Platypus Publishing. Um, I can make a, I have this email course. It's five days. It's like called No Idea to Chapter One. And the idea is just like, if you have this vague idea in your mind, like maybe I want to write a book someday, mm-hmm. just take you through an exercise a day to get it out of your head, test it and see if there's anything there. Um, so I can make like a redirect. So just go to, go to my site, which is rudbits.com um, slash, I guess, YoPro. All right. Make that as soon as we, as soon as we're done here. Sweet. Well, we can link all that up in the, uh, in the podcast description too. Uh, but thank you for coming on the show. This was a, this was great, great catching up with you. Yeah, you're very welcome. But for real, like people don't take this seriously. Like when I say email me, if you think you might want to write a book like five years from now, just email me because I will like get on the phone with you and talk it through. Like I'm doing this as long as I can possibly keep up with the emails and only like 1% of people listening to this will actually email me. So fucking email me. is a wrap on this week's episode of destination different i hope you guys enjoyed that one as much as i did like i said i've been i've been following along with rudd now for i don't know probably over a year Uh, i've read his book he's his email newsletter is hysterical he just has a really unique way with words and you can see why he's had you know put put out two successful books and is now um very successfully ghostwriting and helping other authors create their own books and their own stories. So massive thank you to him for joining the show today. Not only was he an incredibly valuable resource just in terms of writing and how the publishing, self-publishing world works, but also just some fantastic stories sprinkled throughout that episode. So huge thanks to Matt for taking the time to sit in here on Destination Different Again, I'll make sure that everything on him, his, as he said, his email address and uh, his site, probably the best ways to get in touch with him. Um, so I will put that in the show notes below. Uh, but if you even have had the slightest inkling of writing a book, he can help you out, I think. As I mentioned at the top, we got social handles. We got this set up now. There's going to be some content coming out. We're going to be sharing clips from every episode, teasers of when new guests are coming. I think just, you know, being inspired by other strange brains around the, around the globe. So if you haven't already, you were supposed to at the top of the show, but we're going to, we're going to round it out here at the bottom of the show. It's at destination different on Instagram at destination diff D I F F on Twitter. Toss it a follow. It's going to be the, the one-stop shop, if you will, for all things Destination Different. That's all I got for this week. I hope everybody is staying healthy. I hope everybody is staying sane. It sounds... I don't want to jinx anything because you know the minute that this comes out of my mouth, we're going to start going backwards again. But we're starting to see some, here in the United States, some baby progress in terms of this quarantine. Certain states are allowing some activity to begin again. 
There are some flattening of the curve, if you will. Uh, where there's some trends that were, you know, maybe not nearing the end of this by any stretch, but things are getting, they're going the right way. So everybody continue to follow the orders of, you know, staying home, washing your hands, not spreading your germs around, wearing masks when you got to wear masks, not going out if you don't need to go out. But we keep this patient train going for a little bit longer. And I think, you know, we might still have some semblance of normal in the summer. That's all I got. Again, everybody, hope you're staying well, staying safe. We will see you again next week, next Wednesday, for another episode of Destination Different. I hope that you are staying weird. Just a couple hours I can't tell the difference Between what's fake and what's been missing Often I'm misunderstood So I'm looking for a better me This is your love song, baby I hope that you know the world